0: Hello, and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Basca, And today I'm discussing a film by Hannah Bang, an Asian American woman who took a film that begins in a Korean bathhouse in Korea, and discusses many issues facing Asian women today. This particular film is very timely. It's currently premiering at South by Southwest. It has so much relevance for me personally right now, as I am horrified and heartbroken by this week's killings at three Atlanta area spas. The attacks laid bare how vulnerable working Asian women are to misogynist, anti-Asian violence, and it's clear how we as a society have failed to address this intersectional vulnerability. The fact that these targeted attacks have been described as the killer having a bad day underscores exactly what is wrong. We have failed to confront the legacy of centuries of stereotyping, decades of denial, and a year of exacerbated violence experienced disproportionately by Asian American women. This film is an important perspective. If films exist as anything, it is to create empathy for one another and for us to enter into the lives of others and to see through the lens of others. So on that note, I would like to introduce you to director Hannah Bang. It's very interesting to finally get to meet you and talk about your film. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to be able to talk about this film. In terms of how it was shaped, I'm interested to know why you decided to tell this story now. I understand that this was a part of your process in -hmm. your studies, but why this particular story now?
1: So two things. I think I always wanted to make a story about family conflicts and sort of the layers of family relationships that both deal with the very loving side as well as the sort of darker side that I think exists in all families. And in the beginning, actually, my script was a lot more sort of a genre-heavy script. Hmm. And then my producer convinced me to consider shooting the film in Korea. So I visited that idea, and then I began doing some research into different stories about Korean families as well as my own I grew up in Korea so kind of looking at that through a more personal lens and naturally the mood changed the characters changed and it became something a little bit more raw and organic like what the film is now And then the other thing is I I really wanted to portray female characters and their relationships with abuse and violence that weren't so one dimensional, because Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of Korean films, especially usually when you see these uh, kinds of scenarios where whether it's an abusive family or just the boyfriend who's abusive, it usually is used to portray the male character more than the woman who is often the one getting abused. It's more used to show like how horrible this man is rather than anything about the woman. So I kind of wanted to put a more nuanced look into the women. Yeah.
0: And it's very interesting the way that the verbal abuse comes through within the film, given that you have a structure where you're mostly between the two women. And it's mostly the relationship between the two women. But then as soon as that text comes through from the father, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I get this now.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I was trying to create the father's sort of looming presence throughout Mm -hmm. the movie without him physically being there. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: It's so wonderful that you're able to do that, but then at the same time also honor so many individual pieces of Korea within the film as well. I mean, obviously opening it up in a Korean spa, which is Korean bath culture, is such a huge thing. And I think it's wonderful that there's a short in South by Southwest that, you know, shows Korean bath culture. I think that's wonderful. But yeah. Did you feel very strongly about incorporating that?
1: Yes, for a number of reasons. I think bath culture is so integral to Korean culture, but also this, it's a, very private space, or it's a space where the two genders or sexes are separated. And it's a female space, because you are naked in there, and your men are not allowed. So I wanted to play with that idea of almost that I told my DP that I wanted the spot to feel like a womb Mm -hmm. between the mom and the daughter, and for it to sort of feel like where they're physically, literally, but also You know, in terms of the things that they're trying to hide from each other, they're naked and forced to sort of talk about the things that they don't want to talk about. And Yunsu is trying to bring up this story, this um, subject that she's been wanting to talk to her mom for so long about, like asking her to come home. So I think in many ways, I thought the spa was a very appropriate place to start the movie.
0: I really felt it was, Hannah, for for me as as a Western viewer or whatever that means. I don't know what that means, but (laughs) I really feel like opening there was wonderful. And you have these shots that show this almost forced intimacy between them. She feels uncomfortably close. The mother has this sort of presence that's uncomfortably close to the camera in a certain sense in a couple of the shots. And it, it's quite unnerving, but also touching in terms of creating that bond between them.
1: Yeah, that's cool that you felt that. I think one of the things we were trying to create was this feeling of being cornered and almost like suffocating for Yunzu by her surrounding. And at times that's comforting. And at times it, it feels oppressive.
0: Yeah. But then also, you have all of these themes within the film about abandonment and her feelings of wanting to take refuge with a mother who she feels has abandoned her. And so she has these feelings of ambivalence that she's constantly battling. Was this a feeling of ambivalence that you have felt in your life in some way that you feel you have to express in film because of... Something that you've gone through or someone around you has gone through?
1: I wouldn't say specifically like it's coming from a personal experience that the like this choice between the mother and father Mm -hmm. or having to choose is from a specific experience. But I think this feeling of constantly being in an environment with I sort of talked about it as quiet violence with some of my crew, but this invisible feeling of like, you can't relax and you're pressured. You constantly feel this pressure and there is no right choice. I think I, I felt that growing up, like even outside the home, just it's sort of hard to explain, but I think as a young woman, especially it's something that you feel Mm -hmm. And you can't quite put a finger on.
0: Yeah, that constant tension that you can never escape.
1: Yeah, and there's no, in the movie, the conflict is, the biggest conflict is quite clear. It's from the dad and whether or not she can be with her mom. But I think in real life, it's a little bit more omnipresent in a way. So it's like harder to point out.
0: And of course, it's never coming from just one character in real life. It's a societal force, really.
1: Yeah, anything. And I think in a way it can turn us into people that we don't really want to be, which is sort of what I was trying to explore in this movie. Mm. It can shape you in some ways, like even for a moment or a decision.
0: What do you think changed the most about the film by switching the setting to Korea?
1: Like everything. (laughs) Everything. Yeah. (laughs) Everything changed.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting that you said that you completely changed the script when you did that. But when it came to actually filming in Korea after you did the script, how much changed when it came to time to actually film in Korea?
1: Well, so it was my first time filming in Korea and working with actors in Korea. Everything was kind of, I was really scared because I had this thought that like, I don't know how things work in Korea in terms of film industry. I was constantly kind of worried that I was doing things a certain way that the actors weren't used to or the crew wasn't used to. But in the end, it turned out like there were really great patients people to work with. I think I got to re-see the place I grew up in through the lens of a filmmaker. So like things I just like was so used to walking by, like now that I'm trying to shoot something, it seems like I can see the cinematic value in certain things and the streets are so beautiful and, and full of texture and the lights and like everything, you know, you kind of see it through a different lens and Sort of appreciate it more.
0: What I'm curious about was the editing process before you decided that it was done. When did you decide in the editing process that you had really made something that you felt was was ready?
1: Uh, that's a funny question because <laughs> I don't think there's ever a point, at least for me, where I can certainly say, "Okay, now it is done." Um, so it was always like. Okay, it's done. And then a few days later, like, wait, wait, could this be better somehow? Like, should we stay on this longer? Like, change it up? And I think that was even more amplified due to the fact that in the middle of our post production process, COVID happened. And so I went from sitting in the editing room with my editor to suddenly, like, school had closed and Everything we were trying to do Zoom and it wasn't... I think in the beginning, there was a lot of adjustments that needed to be made in terms of just like reconfiguring our workflow. But, you know, I think it's just about having patience and communicating and trusting, I think, trusting your instincts and your collaborators. I think it's also hard because there was definitely a point where... I felt like this doesn't matter anymore, (laughs) because there was this air, you know, do you remember like when toilet paper was running out and like COVID pandemic seemed so big, and people were really scared. And at that time, like I couldn't reach out to anyone and say, Hey, will you take a look at this movie and give me feedback? Because it's so small compared to, to this pandemic. it feels silly to worry about your movie when people are dying. But I think, you know, after a while, you sort of get back, you kind of see things in perspective and try to keep working at your movie.
0: It's the existential question in the end of what is the purpose of life, the universe and everything,
1: (laughs) you know? Yeah. Or like, will there even be a platform to screen this? Like, will people even be watching movies? you know next year i think there was definitely a point where that came across my um, mind in 2020 just because it was such a crazy year yeah <laughs> and nobody knew what was gonna happen i mean still nobody knows what's <laughs> yeah it's true. <laughs> true it's true we're still in in it but i think there's a little bit more hope
0: yeah that's definitely true that there's more hope. But I think the way that I resolve that question for myself is always that the act of creation is the only thing that makes mm. it worth living and doing and getting up in the morning and without putting something out there, making the world more beautiful like you have with your film.
1: Yeah. That's a really nice, nice way to see it. Yeah. I think I'll I'll take that. <laughs> Please
0: do. Please do. <laughs> I, I totally stole it from a children's book called Miss Rumpheus, so I can't okay. claim originality. <laughs> but I do want to also say, I really love the way that in your film, you also explore this sort of existential trauma that she's going through in terms of her own identity. As she's exploring kind of where does she fit in the narrative of her mother's life versus her own life. Mm -hmm. I thought you did such a wonderful job expressing that within those sequences. I just wanted to check when you were trying to discuss her identity
1: Mm -hmm. in terms
0: of the second marriage or the second relationship with the mother. How explicit were you with the actress in terms of how she was supposed to be interacting with the father of the other child Mm -hmm. in terms of making him react and say she would be a bad influence? I find that dichotomy very interesting.
1: I see. I think one thing that I kind of saw and loved about all the characters in this movie is that in the end, they sort of choose themselves, (laughs) their their choices are sort of selfish in a way. And I find that empathetic, personally, and what makes them interesting. And so I think Yunsu just wants her mom to come home and her family to stay together. And I think her motives behind that are sort of ambiguous. And maybe is it for her mother? Or is it for herself? I think that is something that she sort of comes to terms with later in the movie. But I think in the dinner scene, it's her trying to connect with her mother, have this conversation, and finally bring her family together. And then this sort of obstacle or this hindrance pops up. And it's this man who is, I think, superficially pleasant. Like he's a nice enough guy. But I think there's definitely tension between the two of them where they would rather not, I mean, Yunsu would obviously rather not have him in the picture, but yeah. even the, the man, I think he is doing this in order to make things work. but he is also like, he would rather not have Yunsu exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And in that moment, you feel like he's evaluating her at the same time, the mother is treating her as an asset to be evaluated.
1: Exactly. And I think it, It's funny because the mom is this character who, in a way, is like, quote-unquote, modern. Like, she is leaving this situation in order to start a life of her own. But at the same time, she is still putting her daughter in this situation and trying to impress this new guy with her daughter. So it's not like a perfect, independent woman who's going to... Like, well, I think the idealized version of the mother that we see in our heads would be that she is fully independent, but Mm -hmm. mother isn't. And, you know, I don't think she necessarily has to be.
0: No. And women don't have to be one narrative and they don't have to live their lives one way to suit what we want exactly in our heads to be the traditional or the non-traditional.
1: Right. Like, I don't think it. Yeah. You said it perfectly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love that you created that tension within this film. And I, I love so many things that this film represents. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Of and course. Is there anything that you'd like to quickly say to my
1: audience about this film or life, the universe and everything? Well, if you're South by started today, so if you have tickets, please go see it. If you don't, I know it's kind of an expensive festival. I don't know if I should say that, but <laughs> it'll, it'll be on other platforms down the road. So so please watch soul if you want to spend a night walking down the streets of Korea in Youngsu's shoes. Wonderful.
0: It really is a tribute to your skill. And I look forward to many more projects from you in the future, yeah. Hannah.
1: Thank you so much, Ariel. Take care. All right. Bye.
0: For listening, and thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of land stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land. And I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks, expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at omnibus ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch.